Our reading for this morning of God's Word comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is our reading for this morning. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the opportunity to be here this morning. And God, that you promised to meet us here, that you promised to speak your word into our lives. God, as we talk today about pouring into the next generation, I pray that you would put it on our hearts to to know how to do that. Grant us your wisdom and grant us your guidance and leadership in doing that as well as we can. And God, we pray this all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brady. If I missed you at the very beginning, my name is Pastor Dressen. I'm the pastor here at Grace Hill. It's wonderful to have you with us. We are in week four of a series entitled Dream Big, as the shirt says. Um, And so if you don't have one of these, we do invite you. You can raise your hand and we'll have somebody bring one to you. Um, It's just a place to take notes and and it's all about what our Dream Big series is all about. So if you don't have one of these, don't feel shy. You can raise your hand. Um, But if you do have yours with you here today, we're going to be on page 13 where we invite you to take some notes here today. And what we are after in this whole series of Dream Big is this. This is kind of the theme that I want us to understand and to know Um, And it's this phrase right here. And I invite you to say it with me. I've said it every week because this is what we have to catch. We are not building a building. We are building a church. We're building a church. And what we've talked about is this, that we have for one year now been on this journey and it will get completed next year, this two-year Dream Big journey. And what we are trying to do is this. We are trying to understand that God has a vision for our church, that this is not Justin Bell's church, and this is not Grace Hill's church, this is Jesus's church. And that we have a calling to be his representation here in this place right now. And what we talked about last year as we kicked this off was this is not pushing towards a building. God's dream for Grace Hill is not some building at some location. God's dream for Grace Hill is to be his, his hands and his feet, his heart and his representation here on this earth. And so we said, if we're going to be the church, if we're going to build the church that God wants us to be, what would that look like? How would we as individuals have to change? How would we as individuals have to grow? And so here we are at the halfway point, the one-year mark, and we've had a lot of new people join us. And so once again, we're reminding the people that have made a a commitment already, and we're making a a new commitment here next week um, to be a part of this journey. But what we talked about is we are after becoming the church God wants us to be. And so we said in order for us to do that, Week one, what we talked about was we have to be a church and individuals that love God above all else, that love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, that the first mark of the church of being who God calls us to be is to have Jesus Christ preeminent in all things, that we are allowed to love all the things of this world so long as Jesus is first, that he comes first. And then all the other things are good blessings from him, but Jesus comes first. And so we're going to love him with all. And we talked about what that looks like. And then in week two, we talked about, look, 
God gives every one of us skills, abilities, and passions on our hearts. And so how do we serve God with all? That was week two. That we, we find ways to serve God with all that he blesses us with. And I had a conversation this week with one of my friends who, who goes here, they're new here. And, um, and I, he was talking about, well, we want to get plugged in, but my wife, you know, she loves talking to everybody and she wants to be on the great team and I don't want to be on the great team. And so we haven't done it yet. And I was like, you realize you don't have to do it together. And he was like, oh, you tell her that because I'm not going to tell her that. And, 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 and I was like, no. I, and I was like, what, what do you love to do? What, do you, what is something for you? And he was like, well, you know, I'm big on security. And, stuff. and I was like, join the security team. And he's like, we can do that. We can join different teams. I was like, yes. Like, that's what we talked about two weeks ago. Like, everyone is going to find what they're passionate about. And if everyone finds what they're passionate about and serves in that way, this church is going to get blessed. If everyone is serving with all they have, this church is going to be blessed, and we're going to look like the church God is trying to build. And then last week we said, look, if we are going to be the church that God wants us to be, if we are growing into that, then we're going to have to love what Jesus loves. And what Jesus loves is people, and specifically lost people. And we, we went through Luke 15 where Jesus talks about the 99 sheep and the one that's lost that he goes after and the 10 coins and the one that's after. And then he talks about the prodigal son who's gone and he celebrates that he comes home. And then the other brother's angry that they're celebrating and he goes out to him to welcome him back home. That Jesus is after the lost. And that if we as a church are going to be who Jesus calls us to be, then we're gonna have to love what he loves. And what I challenged you with is this, is that when we leave this place, every single one of us better have a one more on our heart. That there is somebody that we are saying, hey, they're not here yet, but they're my one more. And I'm gonna pray about it, and I'm gonna invite them, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna find ways to try and connect them to Jesus. Whether they're here or far away, whether they're family, whether they're friends or coworkers or neighbors, or maybe it's someone we, we lost contact with. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go find them. And I said, if we're going to be the church God calls us to be, every one of us needs to have a one more on our heart, or more than one. And so here we get to week four today. And week four, as you can see there, it's about dream big, his story unfolding in our future. And what that looks like is this, that if we're going to be the church God wants us to be, then we need to have a heart for one more generation. We need to reach and equip the next generation with all we have. And so if you want to write that at the top, that's the theme of this, is that we as a church need to reach the next generation that that is God's heart. Did you know, adult believers, 80% of them started following Jesus before they graduated high school. That, that, that formative years, if you can get your hook in there, if you can get them connected to Jesus there, that's where the majority of believers are, that once they get into adulthood, only one out of five people actually come to the Lord. And so what does that tell us as a church? We have got to go after the youth in our city, that this is the time, this is when they're ready, this is the, this is the chance to get a hold of them. And now I say this as a pastor, I'm a father of four, I got a fifth grader, a third grader, a first grader, and a four-year-old, pray for me. Um, Youth ministry is not easy. It's not as easy as just opening the door and handing them a kid's Bible and be like, read that, learn it, and you're good. Youth ministry is hard. I, I 
do the middle school and high school. It gets loud. There are days I come home and I'm like, I, I just need like one hour of silence. Like my ears are still ringing. Like it, youth ministry, it's a lot of work. And, and look, it's worth it. It's worth it. Even in my own family, I can tell you, like we challenge you guys, like lead your family in devotions. And, and you guys, you know, I talked to some of you guys and then you're like, yeah, we tried to do family devotions. It was a dumpster fire. It, you don't understand. And they're like, I'm sure in your house it was so easy. And I'm like, you don't know me. Like, what, what do you think happens in my house? You know, like, and it's so funny to hear your guys' stories of like what you think. Like, I get this all the time. Like people think like as, as it's bedtime that like I just come downstairs to tuck in the kids and they're already like deep in prayer and devotion and they're just praying for the Lord and then as I walk in they're just like amen father would you read for the good book for me and mother mother would you please lead us in a hymn and we can't, like but that's like the mindset that you, and it's like no it's a dumpster fire in my house too you know we finally get everybody round up we start doing the prayers somebody's making fart jokes and then it's like where's the four-year-old where is Beckett so how did he get out you know like and then we say like so what did that mean to you and they go I don't know and they, I mean like it, that happens in my house every once in a while we get a win and we celebrate but here's the thing no matter what it's worth it it's worth it. And so here we go with the next generation. What does this mean for us? How does this play out for our church? Well, the first thing I want you to catch is this. It's a job for the whole church. I don't care if you're single. I don't care if you're a grandparent. I don't care if you have kids, don't have married without kids. Going after the next generation is a job for the entire church. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So what is he saying here? He's like, hey, pretty much all day, when you're sitting down, when you're walking, when you're like all day, be talking about it with your children. But who does he say it to? Does he say, hear, oh, parents? No. He says, hear, oh. He's talking to the whole church community. He's saying, if you're a part of the church, every single little life that walks into this room, that's your kid. That's your family. That's your church family. That all of us have ownership over the kids of this church. That it's not that parent, family's kid. That's, that's our kids. That we take that on ourselves. And see, these kids, they're our community. This is our one chance to form and shape the next generation. Because I can tell you this as a parent. I'm your pastor, but I can tell you this. I need help as a parent. I need help. It's hard. I need a family rallying around me, supporting and equipping and reinforcing the things that I'm saying because I know this, if I'm the only adult in my kid's life that is pouring Jesus into them, it's not gonna work. They need all of us. They need a place where they show up and a whole community rallies around and supports and equips and, and, and stands beside the parents saying the same things because here's the thing. 
I like to believe as a parent, and I might break some of your hearts right now. I, might, I like to believe as a parent that my kids will talk to me about anything. I try and create that environment. I try, uh, how many of you have parents have learned your kids are not gonna talk to you about everything, right? That's not how it's gonna work. Remember back to when you were in middle school? Did you ask your parents about everything? Or no, who did you ask? You asked some idiot in your PE class, right? And that's where you got your, your worldview information. Uh, what, what's the answer to this? What does that word mean? How does that, and you're asking some Yahoo next to you instead of asking someone that really loves you and is gonna give you God's truth. And so my hope as a parent is that we have enough people around my own kids that when they don't wanna talk to me, they trust and love one of you well enough that they're gonna to come to you and say, what does this mean? And that the same gospel truth that I would give them is the same gospel truth that you would give them. That's what we need is a church family that says, these are our kids and this is our time and this is our job to make sure they're ready for the world that they have. Because that brings us to the second thing. The second thing is, is they need us. They need us. I lead our youth and I cannot tell you, I mean, it's every single week as I ask, how are you? You know what words I get? Tired, worn out, weak, alone, isolated. I feel left out. That's how they feel. And you know why that should really concern you? Because in 1 Peter chapter 5, as he's writing this letter and he's trying to say, this is what Satan is like. How does he describe Satan? Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How often do we take that verse and just pass it over? And yet he is trying to show you Satan is looking to devour your children. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever watched like the Nature Planet and all that kind of stuff, when a lion is stalking up on a pride of whatever, uh, you know, deer, antelope, whatever it is they eat, who is the one that they always pick out from the crowd? The weak, the isolated, the young. And what he's trying to teach you here is Satan is trying to do the same thing here. He is looking at our church and he's saying, who are the weak? Who are the isolated? Who are the young that I can pick off? Because I'll tell you this, I was at a conference and this guy preached on this and it just rocked my world. He said, you guys don't take this seriously. He said, if the Omaha Zoo called my phone right now and said, there is a lion loose from the zoo and you need to guard the children because it, you know the adults, it's probably not gonna come after, but children, it looks like a T-bone steak too. So it is loose in your area, you need to guard your children. How serious would we take that? I don't know about you, but when we leave, I mean, we'd be rallied around the kids. We'd be ready to fight, you know, like maybe some of you would have a little friend with you, you know, ready to go and whatever we got to do. But we would walk out that door and we would be like, did anybody see a lion? Because there's a lion coming after these kids and we got to protect them and we got to equip them and we got to rally around them and we got to be with them. How many of us take their spiritual protection that seriously? How many of us, the second we walk out here, go, we gotta guard these kids. We gotta protect them. There's a lion looking to devour them. There's a lion that's looking for the ones that are feeling weak, that are feeling isolated, that are, that are off on their own. And we gotta protect them. 
And so we got to equip these kids. We, we got to bring them together so they're not alone. We got to give them strength so that they can stand firm on the word. Because here's the thing as a dad that I have learned the hard way is I cannot fix every problem for my kids. I cannot save them from everything I want to save them from. And, and there will be a day where I won't be here anymore and they will have to ride this out on their own. So the one thing I can give them is Jesus. Because Jesus is the one thing that can help them through it all. Even when I can't be there and even better than I can do. And so what we gotta do is we gotta get our kids here and we gotta get them inviting their friends here and we gotta rally around these youth so that they know Jesus loves them, Jesus is with them and Jesus is greater and Jesus is most of all. And then the third thing we gotta do is this. The third thing we gotta understand is they are God's plan and we have to get them ready. You see, we, we look at the world that's out there and we say, these kids aren't ready. This, this world's gonna tear them apart. And yet, you know what God says? God says, I've made these kids for such a time as this. This next generation, you know who my A-team to reach the next generation is? These kids. And we're going, oh, no, no, no. I'm, that's, they're not ready. I mean, look, I teach your middle schoolers. When they're laying backwards on the couch, shoving stuff up their nose and jumping off and talking about Pokemon and all that stuff, I sit there and go, we don't have a chance. <laughs> and then I realize that 30 years ago, I was that dude and my pastor was going, we don't have a chance. <laughs> but here I am today, trying to rally us around equipping the next generation who God says they are who I have placed in this time for this purpose. Get them ready. Because they're going to be the ones that carry this into the next generation. And what's interesting, the, the verse that Brady read, we, we love that last verse there. Um, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But what, what Joshua is saying here at the end of Joshua is he rallies all the people together and he says, look, God has led us well. We had Jericho where we marched, marched around seven times and the walls came tumbling down. We, we got to walk over dry land over the Jordan River. We, we got to win battle after battle. And he says, look, this is your time. This is your time to commit. Leave all these other false gods. Get rid of all this stuff. Me and my house, we're gonna commit to the Lord. And what happens next is the whole group of Israel, they start chanting, yeah, we're gonna join you, Joshua. We're all gonna serve the Lord and then the book of Joshua ends and everybody's on fire we're going to do this and then the book of Judges begins two pages later and you know what happens in Judges chapter 2 it says this after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel this ought to break our hearts because what this shows is a church that was focused on themselves. A church that said, we love Jesus, we know Jesus, we'll worship Jesus, and they took the foot off the pedal, they took the eyes off the prize, and they did not prepare the next generation. This would be, this would be Joshua's grandkids. Joshua, who saw the battle of Jericho, who saw these things, his own grandkids, that generation, did not know the Lord, or the works that he had done. How does that happen? 
I think it happens when a church begins to get focused on itself and its generation and its needs and its, because I can tell you this, in, in culture today, we can look at other generations as our enemy. Can we not? We look at Gen Z and Gen XY and whatever all the other gens are and we're like, oh, they're so ridiculous and the millennials and oh, no, no. That's our mission field. That's our mission field. Because what God says is with all we have, reach the next generation. That means with all of your time, that, that those of you, and I'm not saying every single one of you needs to join the kids team and the, kids and the youth team. If you're not equipped to do that, don't do that. But if you have a heart for that, join the team. Give your time to that. Because I promise you this, there are kids in that room right now that home life is not going good. That they're not getting the attention they need. That their parents are stressed out, their parents got a lot going on, the marriage is struck, and they're here, and we're glad you're here, but those kids need loved on. They need people to give quality time to them. And so if you've got time to give, give it. Or if you have talents to give. Because some of you are like, well, I don't work with kids. That's not my area. I'm on the Greek team. I, I do hospitality. I do this. this. No, no, no. You don't understand. Whatever your talent is, use it to bless the next generation. Do you know that we have high school kids that drive themselves here by themselves without their family? We do. They show up here without their family. And you know what they love? That when they walk through that door, there's a greeter that says, hey, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. We love you. That when they go to the, the donut station that Miss, Miss Denise and Miss Pat are like, honey, you get two donuts. Come on, eat. And you know what? They might not have breakfast that morning. Or that when they come in here and it's greet time, that, that they don't get passed over and all the adults just talk to all the adults. The adults look at them and say, hey, glad you're here. Good morning. We had high schoolers at 8 a.m. Those kids need hugs. They're here at 8 a.m. That I don't care what your talent area is, if you're back in the tech booth, that you train them and you spend time with them and you teach them, that you lead them. We need to use our talents to bless the next generation. And most of all, we need to use our resources. We need to invest in the next generation. We need to hire more staff for them. We need to make more room for them. As we build that building next year, we, we're gonna make space to say, bring your friends, do the ministry that we have for you. You're important to us. We want you here. We want you to grow into the team of, of believers that you guys need to be to reach your next generation. So we're gonna invest on them because they're dependent on us. They can't prepare for the next generation. We have to do that. And then we're going to set the mark for them that this is the standard of Grace Hill, that we don't worry about ourselves. We worry about the next one. And so as they become adults, they're going to take Grace Hill to the next level. And they're going to pray, pray into and pour into and invest in the next generation. That that's the mark of this church. Because I promise you this as a pastor, this next generation is not going to slip on our watch. As for me and my house, as for me and Grace Hill, Grace Hill is going to serve the Lord and we are going to love the next generation and we're gonna reach them with all we have, whatever it takes. And so we invest in it. Those Bibles on your table, those kids' Bibles and the kids' Bibles that they get in there, we have handed out over 350 Bibles for free to kids to put the word of God in their hands. And we're gonna keep doing that investment. We put them in roles uh, right here in the family. You'll see youth up here and back there and doing things. We want them to know that this is their church family where they get to serve. And we're gonna give them chances to serve the least of these. That they, every mission event that we do, every serve opportunity we do, we make sure it's family friendly. 
and we want the kids to serve with us so that they can see the heart of their father. They understand that this is about serving the least of these so that what their eyes will see, their hearts will not be able to ignore and they will love Jesus for who he is. And so this is my final question to you. What if our success as a church is not going to be measured by what we do, but instead by who we raise? What if our measure as a church is that for generations to come, for generations to come, we have leaders in their schools that are connecting people to Jesus, bringing people to Jesus right there in their schools, little missionaries right where they're at that aren't afraid of the world that's getting darker and more, more pushing them away for their, what they believe, that they'll stand right there and they keep inviting. What if that's the generation we raise? What if that's what it's all about? What if we raise a bunch of future great husbands and wives that love their family and love Jesus and lead them well, that, that are great leaders in their community, leading their community towards Jesus in a God-given way? What if Grace Hill raises up a whole bunch of new worship leaders that go out and in the next generation lead thousands of people in worship every week? What if we raise up the next youth leaders that are leading, go out and in their time reach hundreds of kids with the gospel? You want to know my dream? My dream is that the day that comes that you guys finally say, okay, out to pasture with you. <laughs> my dream is that I hand over the keys to one of these little knuckleheads running around here right now. That we raise up pastors right here in this family. That it, maybe even one of my boys or your boys that I hand it over to you and say, it's yours now lead it well what if that's the measure of what we do that we invest all we have to reach the next generation let's pray heavenly father we come before you today and lord we can be very selfish we can get so inwardly focused and not just in this area but in so many areas of our life in our marriage, we can, we can get very focused on ourselves and not our spouse and their well-being. In our, our parenting, at work, in our neighborhood, in life, we can get so worried about ourselves and what we need and what we want that we can miss the mission that you have for us. That we are to love our spouse more than ourselves that we are to love our kids more than ourselves. that we are to love our neighbor and our coworker and, and, and our, our next generation more than ourself. Lord, pull, pull us out of that selfishness. Give us eyes to see those that need us, that are right around us. Forgive us for when we've been so selfish that we've walked past ministry opportunities that you've put in front of us. And Lord, forgive us for all the things that we've done that have hurt others and hurt ourselves through our sin, through our words and our actions and our deeds and our thoughts. Let us confess before you now. Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Show us the things that we need to repent of so that we can get right with you and go make the difference that you want us to make. Give us a chance to, to make things right. Give us a second chance to, to apologize and fix things that, that we have made a mess of. And Lord, forgive us in the name of your son, Jesus. 
And all God's people said, amen. Jesus Christ loves you so much that he left his seat in heaven and he came to earth and he put on flesh and he became one of us and he took on the beatings and he took on spitting and the name calling and the torture that he took and he went to the cross willingly. He told us multiple times, I can walk away from this if I want to. I am choosing to walk to the cross. And he died on the cross for us. All of the wrath of God that we deserve for everything that we have done, he said, Father, put that on me and set them free. And so Jesus took the wrath of all of our sin. He paid the debt that we owe God and we were set free. And because of what Jesus has done and because of what Jesus has done alone, I get to announce to you this day, you are forgiven and you are loved and you are cherished by your God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen.